God. I am a child of God. Isn't that amazing? Well, there's no better title you could ever own in your life than being a child of God. So grateful for his amazing work that he does in our lives. Each and every week that we gather together and I speak to you, I always say these words to you pretty much every single week. And if it's not spoken from my lips, it's on all of our material. It's on our website. It's on our app. It's on everything. We are not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We are here because we know we need God's help. We've, we've tried to live on our own. It doesn't work. We tried to fix our problems. It doesn't get fixed. We recognize that we are broken people. We need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus, and God has provided the help that is necessary for our lives. And so we come together because we know that we need that help from God, and we invite you to join us on this amazing adventure called being a Christian and living as a child of God. Church, when we tell you those things, we don't just say them to say them to you. We want you to understand where you are and who you're with. We also want you to understand that God has called us as a corporate body through prayer and through everything that we have sought God's direction in to tell us that as we recognize who we are in our needs of him, that he's also asked us that when we leave this place, we go out and we let the world know the Savior we serve by radiating. That's why these words are up here, radiating Jesus Christ. We want to radiate him to the world. The reason for that is because we want to reach people. We want to reach them with the life-changing message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the purpose of that is that we might call people into this restoration ministry of the Holy Spirit where he restores us as mature followers of Christ. We are Christ-like in our lives. That's what we're called to do. So don't use the first part of what we say we're not a perfect church or perfect people to make excuses for living a sloppy, sinful life. Okay, because the purpose is this. We already tried to live that life. We screwed it up. We knew we needed help. God's provided that help. We come here. We say, hey, we found the answer. It's Jesus. And we're on our way. God is maturing us and walking with us down this amazing road of Christianity. And it's, it is amazing. It's a lot of fun. And if you're bored in your Christian life, you're not living it. Amen. Just saying. It, it has new adventures every single day. And the presence of the, the living God makes life worth living. All right? So... Each and every week, I also ask you accountability questions, which I'm not going to ask you right now because you should be doing that regularly. And if it's your first Sunday here, you'll catch on. Thanks for being here. We look forward to you being part of the family here that God has for us. So today we have celebrating, and we are celebrating, one week of being with him. And uh, I'm coming through loud and clear now. I can hear that myself. So good. If you are awake, uh, not awake, we're helping you. There's coffee over there if you need more stimulation as well. Um, somebody was working in the nursery last week, and they said, well, that wasn't you preaching last week, was it? And I was, yeah, why? And like, really loud. And uh, yeah, and I walked away thinking, well, I don't think it was any more loud than usual. I mean, I get pretty loud anyway, but I remembered we put speakers outside. So if you're over there working in the nursery and you hear me, it's not like I'm having an extra espresso or anything. They have the volume in the sound booth, and they're just letting you hear what's happening. Hopefully this week we actually have video and sound online. They're telling me we do. Well, good. So welcome everybody online, too. We love you. You can also donate online, too. There's a little tab in the corner. If you're there. <laughs> anyway, we'll just keep on moving there. I'm just uh, messing around. All right, so it's been a week. Last Sunday, you know, as we, we bring God's word, can speak to you. So here you go. At the end of every service, I give uh, action steps, right? And so in the action steps that we brought to you last Sunday after the message, and you didn't have to be here last week to hear what's going on right now, although it would have been probably good, and if you didn't know what I was saying last week when you were here, sorry about that, get it right now, you ready? 
All right, because you see what was going on is Joshua had called the children of Israel together in front of him and it was kind of a day where he'd draw the line and he said to the people it's time you choose if God is your God or not and it's that famous verse that everyone knows from Joshua when he said as for me and my house we will serve the Lord so Joshua drew a line in the sand and he said we're on God's side what are you going to do and all the people said to him we're going to serve him too we're all in and so Joshua called them out and he said okay if you're all in then go home and kill the idols that you have and destroy them and remove them from your house because what was happening is the people were saying they were following God but when they went home and they were living their lives they had other gods in their life as well and so Joshua was saying this is what God says to us there will be no other gods but me amen, amen? And so as we look at the word of God and he was calling the people, he's like, I'm calling you out and it's time for you to go do this. Okay, church. So as we were doing this, we're, it's one thing to say the Lord is God. It's another thing to live that the Lord is God. And that was the main point of the message. What we do, how we live. Morning, Gene. I need to check on, check on your friend Greg there after service. Let me know. So the main point of the message, I have a little bit of issues with. Yeah. All right. So if anybody was standing behind me trying to worship, I apologize, but this mic was driving me crazy. All right, so focus. The main point of the message last week was this. It's not just saying amen. It's not just saying, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe in Jesus. It's living it. How we live. And the changes that we make outside the church, because it's easy to be a Christian in church. It is. You can just say amen, raise your hand, get all excited about the songs or worship or whatever. You maybe like the lights or whatever's going on in you and you can go outside but you don't live anything any different then you're not a christian you're just going to church in other words you're doing some religious activity you can check your box that doesn't mean anything with god he's not interested in seeing your box what he wants to know is are you living the life i've called you to live so we're going to review last week's action steps to get started i'm going to kind of go in the reverse process a little bit right now do you know the God of the Bible is God alone, church. If you do, say yes. yes. He is God alone. There is none other. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout history, God has destroyed every other God humans have tried to create. Nothing will change. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. All right? And we need to know that. And if we know that this is the God that we serve and he is God and God alone, it's pretty important that we know what God wants from us. Don't you think? Yeah. So like, that's what I'm saying. Like when I ask accountability questions, one of them would be, I at least spending five minutes a day, five days last week reading God's word. Well, if you can't say yes to that, then you really need to assess if God is your God or not. Because if God wrote you a note, I think you ought to pay attention to what it says. Yeah. Not just read the subject line and think you know what's going on. You ought to know what it says talk about texting and email in case some of you guys aren't catching on to that a lot of you start responding to stuff and you don't even know what you're being asked come on read it through man all right never mind let's do this do you know do y'all know that you are living under his amazing grace and mercy i mean god's amazing grace and mercy is the only reason you're breathing so don't misinterpret your blessing as you're good with him and he's good with you we were talking about how those people, Israel, when they stood there that day, 
were living in houses they didn't build, eating food they didn't plant, spending money that that was not earned. Everything they had, God gave them. So they were living under this amazing blessing. And yet, the only reason why they were existing is because of God's grace and mercy, because they still had idols at home. So don't misinterpret because you have or you're doing or you're experiencing that you're okay. You need to know you're okay. The Bible teaches us that we can know we're a child of God. We were just singing about it. The Word of God declares that if you're a child of God, the Spirit of God bears witness with our heart, our spirit, that we're a child of God. So I know I am. When people say, I hope I'm going to heaven, well, I'm saying, well, let's talk about that because it's beyond hope. Some of us think we're beyond hope. We're not. Listen, Jesus Christ has made a way so you can know you're going to heaven. It's the power of the Holy Spirit being realized in my life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of my sins, the relationship with the Father. Okay. I don't know why I was doing this. I'm trying to just give you action steps, and I'm preaching on it. All right? But anyway, (laughs) have you been acknowledging God with your mouth? But you have stuff back home that are contrary to what he demands. So I'm asking you this because last week when we were here on Sunday, some of y'all said yes. And you gave it to him and you were supposed to go home and change some things. Did that happen? Amen. That's awesome. For some of you that forget, maybe you're a procrastinator. Guess what? God's going to give you a chance today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So today's the day you got to repent and turn your heart to God. All in. All in, church. None of this games, none of this Christian niceness. It's I'm all in. It's all about Jesus. Our good brother James has a lot to say about this topic, and you know this already. He's one of my favorite writers in the New Testament because he kind of just spells it out for us that if we're not acting on the action steps, then we don't have anything going on. All right? So... Here's the way it works, all right? Before I read the book of James to you, we hear something, we learn something, we have new knowledge. Until that knowledge impacts the heart, we haven't changed. And then we know it's impacted our hearts when it actually comes out through our hands and our feet. All right? Body, mind, and spirit. It's when God connects all of that in us and we connect all of us with him and it's seen not only something we have up here in our head, but it's in our heart and it's seen through our activities. If our activities are not seeing what is in our heart and in our head, then something's wrong with the connection. It's biblical, by the way. I'm not just throwing something out there. That's God's word. This is what James tells us. Understand this, my dear brothers. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. Well, there's part of the problem. (laughs) Slow down a little bit. Shut up. I mean, he doesn't say that. I'm giving you the Greek version in the English language, you know. He's like, you got to shut up a little bit. Slow to speak. Quit talking. Slow to get angry. Just chill out. Everybody, that just their blood pressure went up when I said shut up. Just relax. <laughs> Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, where did we hear that before? Hey, he says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Go home and get rid of the idols. Stop with the junk. Quit making excuses. The power of God is a revealing 
revelatory, life-changing, impacting. I'm no longer the same. I am a child of God. Come on, it's more than just singing songs that make us feel good. Get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives. Sorry for all you over there in the nursery. Humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Listen, did you hear that, church? He's like, God's word has been planted in your heart. So we see something. You get rid of the junk in your life, God's word is in your heart. And that's where the power is to save your soul. That's awesome. James, I love you, brother. I can't wait to meet you. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Huh? Action steps. Are you doing it? Are you living it? Are you going home and applying God's word in your life? Okay, so that's the reason we have action steps. That was a long explanation to get to our point, right? So there has to be application of truth, or there is simply greater judgment upon us. You hear me? There has to be application of truth, or there is simply greater judgment upon us. For you listen to the word, I'm continuing reading in James. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. All right. So, uh, you know, I cut my hair for the second time last Saturday. If you didn't know, I did. Just letting everybody know that. Um, and I know the gray's showing up. You don't have to tell me. I've had several people tell me. I know it's there. Uh, but it's all right. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, so somebody asked me last week. Well, actually, Frank, I'll just call him out. He's like, you know, uh, long hair is not a sin. Like, he didn't want me to cut my hair, right? And I said to him, I'm like, I don't care. My wife has to look at me. I don't. You know, so if she's okay with it, whatever. I don't even care, right? I just don't look in the mirror, and I'm fine. As a matter of fact, when I don't look in the mirror, I think I look pretty good. <laughs> See, so, <laughs> so, so this is the way it is. Like, you know, you get ready in the morning, and you head out on your way, and, and by the time it's like 8 or 9 when the coffee's taking place, and you're all going, and you're moving along the day, I think I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm in shape. I got everything going on in life. I mean, by that time of the day, I think everything's perfect. And then I see my reflection, and it's like, hey, what happened? <laughs> Who is that over there? <laughs> All right? So as long as I don't look in a mirror at myself, I'm totally fine, you know? And, and I just want to throw this in here that if Ben Franklin made it to heaven, which I don't know that he did, but we'll find out when we get there because he had some messed up thinking, but I'm just going to say I'm going to smack him because he's the one that made the bifocal so you could see up close. And God was trying to do us a favor and not let us see clearly as we got older. And it was, he, he's like, this is going to be better for you just not to see what's really going on here, all right? And anyway, so, but that's a side note. We don't want to get caught up over there. Let's. Stay focused on what God's saying to us, right? So here's the thing. It's like when you don't look in the mirror, I have a great imagination, and I can be anybody I want, and, and I can really think I am as I walk through my day. And so when we come here today, I want you to know that um, that can happen to us spiritually, where we can just kind of get an idea of who we are, 
and we go on our way and thinking that's who we are, and we're not even close. We've got this crazy imaginative idea of who I am spiritually. Like me and God got this thing going on, you know, one of those kinds of things. I, I, I want you to understand something, church. It's like when we need to understand that we're looking into the mirror of not church. We're not looking at it compared to anybody in society. What we're looking at in the word of God is our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is trying to reflect back to us what we need to look like. And what he's trying to show us is we're not. We're not there yet. We're not there yet, church. So stop trying to put forth a false image of who you think you are spiritually and let the Spirit of God actually reveal what he sees in you. That's what God wants to do with us this morning. He wants to put a mirror in our face and look at us. So as we're going through the message and, and things are going on, don't wish so-and-so was here. It's for you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to put the mirror in front of us right now. Would you allow him to do that? I want everybody to say yes to that. You don't, I mean, not because I'm telling you, because we need to see that. We really need to see that. Because there are people that are being deceived by religious activity and ideas who think they're right with God who aren't going to heaven. They may be in this room. Come on. I mean, we, we're, we're like, Lord, I want to know your truth. I don't want to follow a church's truth. I don't want to follow a pastor's truth. I don't want to follow my grandparents. My Nope. I want to know God's truth. And I want to know what he says and what he's doing and what he wants from me, what he expects from me, because I don't want to stand in front of him someday, which we're all going to do, and have him say, you know, I was trying to talk to you about something. I don't want to hear that. I want to be clear that I know that my heart is right with God so that when that day comes that I stand before him, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm just going to be in awe. All right, church, so we're looking in the mirror right now. We're going to look and say, God, I don't want to be uh, an imaginary Christian. I don't want to be a real one. I want to be the kind of Christian Jesus died to make me. And so I want you to know that as a church, as people of God, we're, we're, um, we got a lot more miles on us than we think we do. Uh, is that a nice way of saying it? You know, uh, there's... there's uh, there's some neglect, some bumps and bruises, some things that have happened and are happening as child of God that should not be happening. We're neglecting stuff that is basic in our Christian life, the things that God is talking to us and trying to draw us into this incredible relationship with him that are life-transforming, and we can just ignore it for so long. All right, you know why they call them idiot lights on the car? If you don't know what that is, that's the little lights that light up when you need some help right? Okay. I mean, I don't know if that's the real word. That's just what I always heard. My dad used to say that, you know, it's an idiot light, but he called me an idiot, so I don't know. Uh, so I just know they were called idiot lights. So the light, the help light, it's probably the politically correct way to say it is the help lights. Um, well, you can put a sticky note over you want to, and you want to see it. <laughs> Everything's all good. Yeah, you hear something wrong? Turn up the radio. Just, just go on. All right, this is what we're doing in our Christian life with stuff when the Spirit of God is saying, fix this, fix this, fix this, fix this, hello, fix this. 
All right. Enough said about that. God's trying to do something. We can, we can look in the mirror of our culture and think we're pretty spiritual. Can I, and I just want to help us all in this area and remember all we got to do is look in God's word for an example of something. When you look back at the flood and uh, Noah and the ark, um, God's not like in this to give a grading curve. He's in here to set a standard, and he proved that that day. He said, there is a standard that I have. And if it was only one family, then it was one family. It's an example for us, church. It's what he's telling. He was showing us. He's like, look, I, I'm, I'm sick of the sin in this world. I'm done with it. And there was only one family that was redeemed out of the planet Earth. Okay, so don't think that because we can look at another people or people group or even a church in society and think we're pretty good that we're pretty good. The only way that we can see ourselves as good is in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. And it's in his word. And so if my life measures up to what the word of God has called me to live like, all right, we're good. We're good. Okay. Um, so anyway, we got some problems, right? So what's going to happen is, as we look into the word of God and as we see what Jesus is talking to us about is, I believe it's crystal clear that when we look in this, we're going to be judged by our obedience. Please hear what I'm saying. We are going to be judged by our obedience to the revelation of truth that has been provided through the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Amen. So what the Holy Spirit has revealed to you as truth, you're going to be held accountable to. Therefore, you are accountable for your soul before the Creator of the universe. And you know it. And as the Spirit reveals things in our heart, we're going to be held accountable for those things that He reveals to us. So when you think about it, that's why I'm telling you that it's not a matter of measuring myself by or because I hold a title or because people see me as. You hear me? I don't care if it's a pastor. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a teacher or a child in nursery. Church, the creator of the universe knows. He knows. And you do too. He's not trying to hide anything on us. He's calling us into a relationship, and that relationship is about transparency and realness. And so the Spirit of God has revealed truth to us, and we know it. In the book of Revelation, last week I mentioned one of the churches that is written to, um, after the introduction of uh, Jesus' revelation to John, John was on the Isle of Patmos. This is John the Beloved, the, the Apostle of Christ. And because he was a, an apostle and a witness to the truth, they had put him on an island to leave him to die. And uh, while he was there on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, like we're assembled here, the Spirit of God showed up in a vision. And uh, it wasn't just the Spirit of God, it was Christ. And so John gets this vision before him, and then uh, Jesus says, I want you to take a note for me. And uh, there's going to be a lot to this note, but what I want you to do first is I want you to write some letters to the church. And so he writes specifically to seven churches in seven cities, their pastors, their leaders. And yet that message that he wrote to those seven churches have a universal message to all churches, all seven of them. Okay, so, but the, the thing is, is I want us to understand as we go forward with what we're talking about is these were real tangible churches 
bodies of believers in real cities like you and I today. And so the message that Jesus gave uh, was written to the seven churches, meaning all those churches that are assembling in those cities. We're not going to talk about all the seven churches or anything, because that's not the point of the message, but I'm going to select one of the churches I did to grab just to, to, to look at something in there to help us, all right? So um, we're not here to give a prophetic message, so don't misinterpret where we're going. Stay with me. Uh, prophetic meaning futuristic. I guess it is a prophetic message, so just erase that. Let's just keep going. In Revelation chapter 2, I read to you from verse number 1 on. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all the things you do. So we're just going to pause for a second because to every message there's an introduction and a conclusion. There's a hello, how are you? And this is what you need to be doing, right? It's, so it's like the introduction and the action steps. That's what Jesus gave to every one of his churches. And with every one of his introductions to the seven churches, he made that exact same statement. I know. Church, he knows. He knows. He knows everything. Not just the things you want him to know. He knows everything. And that's what he says. I know all things. I know all things you do. Hmm. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Hey, you're doing some good things. Jesus is giving them like this encouraging little message. And he's like, hey, I see what's going on. I know the good stuff you've done. I know what you've accomplished. And, and the church in Ephesus was right there thinking, yeah, man, we're pretty awesome. We're doing good. Thank you, Jesus. That's a great message. And everybody's saying amen until this next part. And it would have been awesome if Jesus quit talking right there, but he didn't quit talking right there. What he said was this. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. Hey, when Jesus says he's got a problem with it, you should probably stop and listen. So I'm just going to kind of interpret right here and say, church, here's where we get the mirror out. Set it right in front of you. Don't put it in front of your neighbor. Put it right in front of you. Because this is what he says to the church. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me. And do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. So as we look at this, Jesus is warning the church... They're going to be held accountable for what they know, what they've already experienced through him, what is revealed to them and what they had put in practice. He says, I'm going to hold you accountable for that. It's great that you did some good stuff. And they had. They were actually doing some good stuff right then. You hear them? 
He was like, you're doing some good stuff. You did this in the past. You're actually doing this right now. You're pointing out what's wrong with some of the teaching that's going on in the world around you. That's great stuff. Good, good, good. But, but. See, I, I want you to hear me. It's not good enough to have some good history with God. It's not okay to just have some good moments with God. Yeah, man, that's what he's telling us right there. He's like, you know, what matters is right now, me and you. That's what he's telling the church. This is what matters right now, me and you. All right, so let's put it in, in some terms that a lot of people in the room here might understand. If you have a 10-year chip from AA or NA or whatever, and you carry it around your pocket because you were 10 years clean at one point, and you're no longer clean, that chip means nothing. Right? Come on. It means nothing. That's what God's trying to talk to the church about. He's like, I don't care where you started. That's awesome. I mean, it's really good you did that stuff. However, in the moment, you're nowhere near there. Huh. So, just, just to go into this a little deeper, this church that he was writing to in Ephesus, in this moment when John got the vision from Jesus to give a message to them, they were in about their 30th year of existence. Because they had been born in the ministry and missions work back in Acts. And this is about approximately looking at time frames in history about 30 years later. So here's what happens. Um, in our modern day, we've done all these studies and they're everywhere. You can look at them. It's called the bell curve. So churches have a, a birth moment. They grow. They plateau. They decline and they die. All right, Everything has a life cycle including me and you, everything has a life cycle. And churches follow that same pattern. It's called the bell curve because it goes like that, and it's over. So the reality is, is unless there is a rebirth, refocus, new vision, churches literally will be born and die in 60 years. That is proven through history, okay? Scientific evidence says so. All right, talk about just CFFs. Right, not the church of Jesus Christ. Talk about the buildings and the bodies that assemble in them. So let's just look at this for a second. 30 years. So where are we? In the plateau. There's been this amazing growth in Ephesus Church. When that plateau just before the decline and death. And you know what Jesus was saying? You got a great history. You're still doing some good stuff. But if you don't repent, boom, it's over. That's what Jesus said. Read it. He just read it to you. He said, if you don't repent and change, I'm going to remove you. I'm talking about Jesus talking to his church. He says, I will remove you. That's some pretty intense stuff right there. That ought to make us stop and think a little bit and maybe take a little deeper look in the mirror. Just let's step back to their birth moment. We're going to go back to the church in Ephesus and go back to their birth moment for a minute. In the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God is moving and it's transforming lives and people are saying yes to Jesus and there's the excitement of a church 
and, and a, uh, it's their excitement about a relationship with God is what they're excited about. And they get together as a church and they're meeting together and worship and fellowship and teaching the things of Jesus, baptizing. They're having this great growth and a, a move of God happening, right? The Apostle Paul writes them a letter. It's called the book of Ephesians. When he writes that letter to them in the opening introduction and, and kind of greeting part, I read one little section to you. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. Slow down a little bit. Wait a minute. Slow to speak, quick to listen. I heard about you. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. I heard about you. Your amazing faith the way you believed in Jesus, your incredible love for one another. Hmm. Now let's go back to what Jesus wrote to them. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. The fact is, is that what's happened is a love relationship has grown into a common law relationship where we exist together in the way that we've learned to exist together. The love's gone. Church, think about it. This is Jesus talking to his bride. He's like, man, there was great passion and love when we started off. He said, but today, that doesn't exist. You're still doing some good stuff. You're still talking the right stuff. You're still saying the right things, you're still holding some people accountable, but something's missing in your heart. Wow. That's amazing. And when Jesus says this, he says, if you don't repent, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. You're not going to exist anymore. This isn't to beat you down, church. This is not why God gave this message to us this morning. It's not to beat us up and say, oh, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. No, you aren't but that's another story, all right? The, the point is, is like this. It's like, am I being obedient to this amazing God who has redeemed me, who loves me that much, who has transformed my life, given me a purpose to live in? Am I being obedient and saying yes to him today like I did before? It's a checkup moment. Man, a lot of people share their testimony, and it's about way back when. It's, it's time that we begin to have some current testimonies. We know what God's done in the past, and that's awesome, and everybody needs to have a past with God. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We used to have testimony time in the church I grew up in, and I learned a lot of history. And everybody talked about what God did for them back there. And then what I heard about today was, thank God I made it through another week. The devil's been all over me. Those were the current testimonies. I mean... It's, that was my brother saying it's true. He grew up in the same church. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I want you to hear that because you see what happens is there's this experience of a moment of the relationship with God that is incredible. When God has forgiven you of your sins, that is amazing stuff. We're not talking about an emotion. We're not talking about you having this emotion. We're talking about having love. Every relationship starts out with emotion. Everyone, I'll never forget the first day my wife held my hand. I, I will tell you about that moment. 
I can tell you the first day she kissed me. I didn't make that move. I want you to know she did it. All right? I, I'm <laughs> uh, was in her living room, sitting on her couch at her mom and dad's house, right over by the picture window on the left side. Uh, <laughs> so, so I can tell you about that history because something happened inside of me where my heart flipped upside down. I was already in love with the girl. But see, something else happened, so that was an emotion. Now travel forward with me about five, six, seven years. We'd been married for a few years. Reached out and grabbed her hand, hold it as we were walking. And I said, wow, you could use some cream on those hands. <laughs> yeah. I never said I was brilliant, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was a special moment in our lives that I'll never forget, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, all honesty, uh, she did not even respond in any negative way to me, but I'm telling you what, the Lord smacked me in my head. God did. She didn't need to. God did. And he absolutely called me out right then and there in my heart, man, like, what are you doing? Right. What are you saying? Where are you at? And it was like, whoa. That is not okay. And I, I'm being honest with you, man. It was one of those moments where it's like, man, what is wrong with me? There was a day when all I wanted to do was hold that girl's hand. Right? Come on, man. It was like I couldn't wait for that moment to feel her fingers slip into my hand. And now I'm telling her, you know, you know, here. <laughs> All right, that's jacked up. I, if you don't know it is, I'm telling you it is. I'm trying to warn you guys right now that are young in your relationship, all right? Wise up. But anyway, so what I'm trying to say is as God's talking to us about that relationship, we're not even talking about the warm fuzzies of the emotion of a relationship. We're talking about as we mature in that relationship, we recognize it's way more than that. I love those moments. I still have those moments with my wife, and I'm sure you do with your spouse where you have those emotions. But in all honesty, the vast majority of the days, we just wake up. Right? Say good morning. That's what we do. All right? It's not like we both wake up like, oh, I am married to you. <laughs> I actually don't even want to know what she's thinking right then. I'm just saying. All right? So it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about. And Jesus is telling him, you lost your first love. Go back to that. You need to repent and get that back inside of you where you recognize the amazing gift you have in a relationship with the creator of the universe. Man, get off the plateau, man. There's no place for that. Death is awaiting. Let's keep rising up, building that relationship with our God, understanding that it is his grace and mercy that allows me to live today. There are new experiences for me to have with God in my walk with him. We've got to keep the focus on obedience and the application of the faith and the truth that God has called us to. Amen. See, we can't just reflect on what we used to be. We do need to share our testimony. Don't misunderstand me. There has to be history with God. At least if you don't have any history with God, make today the day you start your history. Okay? But if you have history with God, there's nothing wrong with sharing that. But would you just like make sure you have current history as well? 
If you don't have current history, talk to him because he's been trying to get through something into your spirit to awaken you to have a current moment with him. All right. This is what matters. Where you are with Jesus right now. Yesterday's gone. If you completely jacked it up, thank God you're here today. All right? I mean, I'm serious. This is the moment that matters. I don't care about your pedigree. God doesn't care about your pedigree. That's wonderful. He just told those guys that. Yep, we have a history. Good job. But what about right here? Okay? So we got to hear what the Spirit's saying. So what Jesus did was the same introduction, the same conclusion to all churches. Every one of them. This is what he said to them. I know. And then he concluded with, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Remember our action, uh, not our action step, our accountability question? It's, it's time that we put application to the truth of what God says to us, right? So this is what we do as we read the Word of God, and it says anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. When we ask the action step, uh, I don't know why I keep calling it, I guess it is an action step, but accountability question, do you know what the Spirit is saying to you? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? See, when we spend some time in God's Word, we get the message from Him. What Jesus promised is when we spend time in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit Himself, who is the counselor, the, the revealer, the guide, the gift, that He will reveal truth to us. So when you're reading God's Word, stop struggling on what you don't understand. Just ignore that right then. God's trying to tell you something. Listen to what you do understand. Back in Michigan, I was a pastor of um, New Beginnings Church. Um, we were there for about 12 years. Blessed to have a gentleman named John Trump in our congregation who's with Jesus today. And speaking of, of prophetic things and revelation and all that kind of stuff, just, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dave and how he approaches things. You don't hear me preach about prophetic stuff. You don't hear me talking about the prophetic verses and things like that because as we look back in church history and biblical history, most attempts at interpreting prophecy were wrong read your bible <laughs> i mean you know i mean the church itself was talking about this messiah and they had built up their own interpretation of the coming messiah to the point where when he showed up they didn't even recognize him because he didn't fit their description right. so just saying so what my point is is this it's like when they have i've had a lot of people say you know why don't you preach about end times why don't you do i i do preach about end times you're going to stand before god and give account of your life Amen. that is the end time that matters Okay, but that's beside the point. I don't know why I keep getting distracted today. Um, Eric, next week, another shot of espresso in my coffee, please. All right. <laughs> so here's the thing that we're trying to say as we look in God's word and in our life, as I stand before him to give account of him and, and listening and what his spirit is saying to me, I want to know what the spirit of God is talking to me about right here, right now, right in the moment. I have to hear him. So just stop. Listen. Listen. That seemed like forever. <laughs> that quietness. I just stopped talking to you. We're waiting for what's next. We're so engaged in the next moment. It's so hard for us to stop and just listen. And what Jesus said to him is, 
Anyone with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying must hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He's talking to us. He's speaking. He's speaking in the moment. <coughs> and so, instead of talking about what could be in the future, let's talk about this moment right now in our life. Let's know what God's saying to me. Let's look in the mirror and say, God, where am I? Who am I? Am I who you died to make me? Am I more Christ-like than when we started this journey? Because you see, if we're not more Christ-like, we need to repent. It's exactly what he was telling the church in Ephesus. Hey, you don't have that in your heart like you did. Let's get it back. And the way to get it back is through repentance, right? Okay. All right. So our first action step, are you living in the truth the Holy Spirit has revealed to you through the word of God? Are you living that truth? <coughs> is there anything from the past that God has asked you to do that you are no longer doing? We're not talking about legalism here. Please hear this, church. Is there anything from your past that God has asked you to do that you are no longer doing? Remember that church? They used to be known for their faith in Jesus and their love for his people. And Jesus said, you lost your love for me and therefore you've lost your love for my people. When you look back on your life and you think about your walk with Jesus, and, and I don't care how long it is, I don't care if it started last week or yesterday or whatever, I'm just saying like, what God's asked you to do, are you doing it? Are you doing it, church? Because obedience to the Spirit is what it's all about. Yeah. A lot of people say they don't hear from God. I'd be like, well, let's go back to the last place you did. Let's start there. Okay, so let's do that right now. If you, don't, if you haven't really heard from God in a while, well, you should have right now in this message, but if you didn't, let's just stop for a minute and go back in history. Where is it that you know God said something to you? Are you doing it? or not doing it, whatever he was talking about. See, that, that moment of obedience is critical. It's critical to keep the ears open because the Spirit of God is talking. And when we stop him from talking, like ignoring what he just said to us about something, like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to listen to that. We can just go on. But something happens in here. There's this callus that forms in our heart. And we don't hear very well. And so the Spirit of God wants to talk to you about what you're no longer doing that He asked you to do. How about it, church? Is your love for God and His people current? Do you know that He loves His church? As jacked up as it is? I mean, when He wrote letters to seven churches, when He sent those letters out, five of them were called to repent. All right? That's amazing. I mean, I'm talking about the church. He wasn't writing to culture. He was writing to his church. And five of the seven needed to repent. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you, church? Come on, you listening? Do you hear him? What's he talking to us about? We've got to respond to him. We have to. We're not here to just do our religious thing. We're here to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. All right. Is it happening? If it's not happening, make it happen. He's waiting right here. We call this the altar. We invite you here every week. We're inviting you now. 
If you want to get things right, if you need to make some things right, if you need to ask God's forgiveness and repent of stuff that you're not doing anymore, that you know he wants you to, or if you started doing something you know he doesn't want you to, you should probably make your way to the altar and like hand it off so that you can leave free and you can be the bride that he died to make you, the man or woman of God. Come on, let's do it, man. You don't have to wait. Altar's open. You can stand with us. Are you a child of God or not? Don't leave here without being a child of God. Know what your heart is. Know where your heart is. Know where your relationship is. Look it in the mirror. The Spirit of God is speaking. That's the Spirit of God right there talking. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for speaking to us, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> he loves you. I want you to know, God wants you to know, He loves you. He loves you. He loves His church. He loves those that have said yes to Him. He loves you enough to change you. That's amazing, isn't it? That's the good news of the gospel. He loves you that much that He's not going to leave you the same when you leave the church today. He loves you enough to change you. You just got to let Him. Let's just be obedient to what we know He wants from us. I was telling you about John Trump, and so here you go. Here's what he said. This is what he said. It's not about the stuff that I don't know about that scares me. It's the stuff I do know that scares me. That's why I brought him up. That's where this moment's all about. Right here, right now. It's not about what you don't know. It's what you do know. The Spirit has revealed truth to us. We've got to own up to that truth. Don't worry about what you don't know yet. Just live what you know. Live what you know. Thank you, Jesus. He is the revealer of truth. He is the amazing redeemer. He is the filler. He is God. He's amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.